If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe Podcast family. That's spelled B-L-E-A-V. That is the name of the podcast network, and that is why on your favorite podcast platform, it reads, Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. And I say the intro of the podcast like that so much that I'm afraid that I might start talking in my sleep and saying that because it's just on autopilot, and I would really (laughs) like the name of the podcast to change so I wouldn't have to worry about that. And that is my clever little riff at episode 113, 112. I don't know. There's so many episodes of this now. Um, enough of that, Mishkas. And on to this week's wonderful, wonderful guest. Uh, I would say LA Staple, but just just like in the middle of a nationwide stand-up tour, uh, please give it up for Kara Connors, everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. How are you doing, Kara? I mean, excellent. Everything is going really well. The world is peaceful and healthy and everything is excellent. And this is 2005? Yeah. Oh my God. Actually, 2005 was a good year. Yeah, Um, I was like, in the middle of thinking of that, like, no, not 08. No, no, no. Just far enough after 9-11. And yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, not personally, but I think yeah. I mean, it was, it was fine. I'm okay. I'm taking a I'm taking a Twitter sabbatical for the next two hours for my own sanity. <laughs> the fact that that sentence exists is like I think an <laughs> indictment on our times. It's that, not you know, a Twitter sabbatical is a thing. Just from reading, not even but not even posting, just angry scrolling. Right, right. I. I actually, sometimes this actually comes at my detriment for work that I do because people post about stuff and they don't send it to me. Mm-hmm. I just don't scroll on almost anything. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, that saves me a lot of time and anxiety. Yes. <laughs> but then people are like, oh, I posted about the mic being canceled. Like, you know, I don't see that, right? Right. Yeah. You don't look at every single person's individual posts constantly. <laughs> No, no. It's only when I followed 500 people on Twitter that mm-hmm. I scrolled to the end of Twitter where right. Twitter said no more. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, I stopped doing that because it was really annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. It's really bad. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> mine, <laughs> minus the internet, is life exist? I don't know. Yeah. Nope. That is all that 
exists for me just in a complete vacuum just looking yeah. at people streaming on twitter yeah yeah the twitter so no no tiktok no 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 i i observe i read on twitter i love scrolling through tiktok um yeah i'm a lurker on all sites i only really actively participate on instagram got it got yeah. it what and how do you choose to engage on instagram I mean, it's, I, I try to be like very supportive on Instagram. I don't know why everyone just doesn't like everything. If I'm, if I'm scrolling through, I just try to like it. And then I just alternate between like self-promotion where I'm like trying to, like, I want to just post, I don't want to be posting this either as much as you're not enjoying, think how I feel like I'm doing this constantly. And then like trying to like trick the algorithm and like occasionally post like a dog post or a thirst trap or whatever to alternate. But yeah, it's, Wait, it's you, upsetting all around. Are you at a level where you post a thirst trap and then you put like a, a message or a call to action? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could try it. It might, it might work. I'm at a level where I, I post, I recently posted a thirst trap and it immediately got reported and taken down. And then I'm like trying to figure out which of my like conservative high school friends that follow me, like reported it or something. And then I reposted it, got taken down again. I was like, everything is covered. Wow. That's crazy. (sighs) I know. Yeah. I just was like inspired by Britney's post. Like she puts, you know, like Britney is constantly just putting like a tiny pink flower, like over her pussy and everyone loves it. But then when I do it, it's against community guidelines. Right. Because Britney's not part of the community. She's above community. <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah. I mean, as it should be. But yeah. I feel that, you know, we should all be able to right. behave like Britney. Yeah. No, I agree. Out of pocket all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I mean, Britney. you know, that is kind of how the world acts anyway. But <laughs> yeah. online, they present a curated, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think you can see through the cracks <laughs> with, mm-hmm. with most people. I'm lately been seeing a lot of weird engagement posts. Like I know people obviously post about their engagements on Instagram, but a lot of like too honest, like posting the picture of the ring, but then the caption is like, we've been through a lot and like really dissecting like bullet points of what they've talked about in couples therapy. And I'm like, I don't know if I, I think I prefer when people just say my co-pilot, my partner in crime. Yeah. I mean, I think what should be checked is like, would you put this on a save the date card? Oh, no. (laughs) No, you wouldn't put that? Okay. Don't. Yeah. Would you put this on a save the date magnet? Like quite quite presumptuous. (laughs) Just a gigantic magnet. Huge. (laughs) Huge. Somebody yeah. literally sent me a save the date magnet and it had like, you know, like banks used to have the magnets where it'd have like the full year calendar, like right. on the bottom. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think if you have to show a full year calendar, like we don't need to save the date yet. I don't need to reserve something more than a year in advance. I'm available. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, yeah. It's that is, I mean, I, you know, people could do however they want on Instagram, but. And they do. They, they do, <laughs> but if you're expecting anything out of it, that's right. where, yeah. yeah. That said, how are you probing, probing your tour? <laughs> well, okay. I, 
I'm promoing my tour by every city that I go to. I have this like crazy Google sheet spreadsheet where I look up like every single queer owned business, every like influencer, every like university, like any queer union, anybody. And I look all those places up and then I message like a hundred people and I offer them like discount codes or tickets to repost or whatever. And then like, you know, you message a hundred people, maybe 20 people respond, maybe 10 people respond. And then, so I'm just doing it very like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just all about the grind. It's all about the hustle, um, doing 12 mics a night. And, uh, I message 82 people on Instagram every minute to tell them about my tour. And that's how I get the word out. Yeah. No wonder you're on a Twitter sabbatical. You need time to do more Instagram. Yes. That is why I had to get off of Twitter for the last two hours. (laughs) I have to go back to Instagram. Um, is, is this the work that is required to become a queer icon? Is that what you have to do? Is look up every queer no. business and be like, I exist, please come to my I mean, I don't know. That's just like what I've been trying to do is like <clears throat> just get in touch with people who I think might, you know, be interested or haven't heard about it. I just am like, I try to close the gap in like any amount of work that I can do, like that's totally in my control. So I just like work my ass off and then hope that they like meet, you know? Yeah. And how, how has it been going? I, that sounds like, that sounds like a wonderful thing to do, but it also sounds like a a very sound strategic thing to do as Mm -hmm. it paid off. It has so far. I mean, on the first like round, like the tour, like the first that is kind of what worked now I have a little bit more lead time and I've kind of finessed the process but a lot of the shows it's like I would show up in town and it would be Tuesday and the show's on Thursday and like I've sold 12 tickets and I need to sell 96 you know and then like close the gap by that but like I'm doing everything like postering going into coffee shops and like hello like giving them stickers and like I'm just hitting it from every direction like going on dating apps and like (laughs) i am i don't care like i'm trying to reach the people i'm like where are the thirsty dykes in houston okay have you explored kink.com kara no should i that's for kink dating okay but for for promoing the show (laughs) i mean why not hampton young hampton young put a very non-sexy stand-up clip on Pornhub, and i thought that was so funny that's really funny That's actually hilarious. Yeah. No, it's, I don't, I don't know what works. I just try, I mean, it is, it's working for like the, for what I'm trying to do, but I don't know like necessarily which pathway I read somewhere that's like, you have to see something like between five and seven impressions to like actually click on it or go to it. So I try to think like if my, you know, let's say a Gen Z or a queer millennial, like somewhere that's interested in comedy and indie alt shit, where are they looking? And like, how do I get it to them in five days? Oh, this coffee shop and this website, like, oh, who is this person? Yeah, I don't yeah. know, Jake. Yeah, part of, part of my French, but did you just describe your demo? <laughs> I think so. Weirdly, I should include a caveat that there's this like third demo that seems to be emerging, which is like, young college age straight bros are like really here for it so yeah i think that's what i've observed that have like gone to therapy and they're like yeah Yeah. like uh, like i'm not all bad but like i i'm like i'm complicit 
Yeah, like they want like a little spink on their bottom, but then like ultimately they're like, I get what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I'm sorry, like, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, does that, that's does that inform your choice for the name of the tour straight for pay? No, the I mean the choice of the name is is all that's what I wanted it to be. And and yeah. you know, people can get down with it. I do think it fools the occasional straight person into being like, oh, that's cool. Like, I don't know if they just go for it. Right. Well, I mean, I think it does feed into that that the hour that you're doing. So it mm. is a very apt title. Mm-hmm. but who the hell would like see straight for pay and they're like oh, yeah i guess that's that i have no idea but i would not put it past anyone right <laughs> what is the most conservative or i guess right wing or like i guess I, i'll even broaden it to the most huh. unlikely town you've played on your tour oh um <laughs> I mean I'm so far left that I consider some things conservative that probably aren't and so the most concern I mean maybe Portland like yeah right exactly probably Portland I mean <laughs> maybe like Milwaukee maybe Milwaukee but I found Milwaukee to be very very queer friendly but I kind of am always struggling with this question being from the Midwest it's like are those people gay or like Midwestern women are just like from a hardy stock. Like they all look like that. So I thought I walked around Milwaukee. I was like, is everyone here a lesbian? And it's like, they're not. That's just how all the moms dress. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I I think I would say Milwaukee, but again, my experience of Milwaukee was very like queer and welcoming, but like, you know, traditionally, I don't know. Historically, you know, uh, Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer would cruise in Milwaukee whoa well to find his victims right but also that is interesting too because conservative play as we know like even a conservative place would have that because it's so hidden so then there would be like these yikes i like how you're like you know Dahmer. oh yeah (laughs) so casual jesus i do because i watch every true crime thing but um yeah yeah scary i mean uh a lot of a lot of them are heteronormative focused mm-hmm. and i guess that that like you know plus for you guys that's not a right. lot happening <laughs> a lot right. of lesbians not right. a lot of lesbian and lesbian serial murder right right just uh what's her name eileen warnos the... but yeah but didn't she just kill johns i'm pretty sure yeah right so people like weren't that mad about it right 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 yeah what would a lesbian serial killer be like? Can you imagine? I mean, I'm sure, of course, it could like exist because like women can do anything men can do. But I think that this is why I asked the question. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, probably there are lesbian serial killers. They just haven't been caught. Right. <laughs> I'm going to guess it's like it, like similar to a lot of older women who are pegged to serial killers that like do it for the insurance money and then they just kind of get hooked. Ooh, yeah, like it's totally not for an emotional reason or it's like, unfortunately, it could be tied to some kind of like Munchausen's by, you know, some sort of like weird factitious disorder where they're like they want attention and they like pretend like they're the victim in it or I don't know. Right. I or uh, I mean, that I surprise like I feel like that would be the most likely motive, but it hasn't happened yet of just like a lesbian going to like kill a bunch of incels uh, online right 
yeah, right. like, like doxing them and then finding where they are and just like getting rid of them. Right. Well, that was like sort of a little bit, I mean, not the whole piece, but like promising young woman had a little bit of that, a little bit of that energy yeah. to it, but yeah, I don't know. I hope there's not any, I hope there's no serial killers in general. I know that that's because yeah. they exist, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish people oh, would just seek treatment. Um, uh-huh. Absolutely. But you know, that's not. That's yeah. Not- but then what other content would you watch, Kara? That's right. Damn it. <laughs> No, I well, I would watch all of my reality love shows. I would watch, uh-huh. I would watch all of those, and then I would be very content. I would put whatever TLC shoves in my stupid little face. That's yeah. What I would watch. Are you really big into uh, oh what 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 is it uh, Vanderpump Rules? No, but I used to live not far from the the Vanderpump restaurant, and it was always it was rocking. I am very much not a person that is into trashy reality TV. Mm. Sorry if that came off judgy. Yeah. But uh, I will say I went to Lisa Vanderpump's Dog Rescue. It's amazing. Oh. It's like palatial. It's better than my apartment by like 10 feet. <laughs> like, oh, can I run around here? This is Yeah. Nice. Do you mind if I just like, do you guys have day passes? <laughs> like, <laughs> can I just hang out? Yeah. seriously they have these giant plush couches they have wi-fi Mm -hmm. they're like just come and you can play with the dog yeah that's nice yeah i went to a dog cafe in new york once which was very fun yeah just like little corgis bopping around oh me i actually went with fizza dasani and we uh she met the dog she ended up adopting and it was this like big husky and it was such a lovely well-behaved boy oh that's really sweet. Yeah. I love huge dogs. Oh yeah. I'm a big dog. That's why I don't have a dog. Cause I know they require mm. a lot of care. Yeah. Yeah. But I love, I kind of love the just like weighted blanket feeling of like a big dog being totally. a lot dog. Totally. And they yeah. all are, which is really yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I used to have a great Dane. <gasps> 170 pounds, fully grown. Oh my God. What was his name? Elway. Oh, Great Danes are so sweet and so funny. They're like very gentle. They're very gentle. I feel like, thank goodness they're gentle because they're so big and like, like a Great Dane's tail can just like fuck up a living room. Like nobody's business. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Or like a St. Bernard. Those yeah. are really cute, but you have to like carry a towel around because they slobber. Like you literally just have to carry a towel with you. Yeah, absolutely. That's but, a- uh, my sister's like 4'11", 100 pounds sopping wet. My dog was bigger than her. Whoa. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Almost twice as big. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it like having a little funny. horse. That is yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Well, that should be the um, next. My huh? Unsolicited advice the next time you do get a dog. I don't see why you wouldn't want to get a great Dane. Yeah. I mean, I love a, I, I love a big, yeah, it would probably be a, like a, a, a blue great Dane. There's this like bluish gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like that. That look great. That would be awesome. Yeah. Would. I'm manifesting I, I need... that for you. Oh, thank you. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. Uh, I'll ask <laughs> this and maybe we'll dive into a little bit and then I want to go comedy news. So like, you mentioned how like 
Gen Z, quick, like that's your key demo. You're you yourself are not Gen Z, right? No, I'm a millennial. So what is the secret to entertaining Gen Z, Kara? <laughs> um, I feel like I I don't know. I feel like being on TikTok a lot, dating a lot of Gen Z, reading a lot, like being up on it. It's like not not being rigid. Uh-huh. That is like I think thematically the right. biggest thing is like crossing. I mean, I think also like doing comedy as well, because like, you know, it's like people that do comedy are all ages and it doesn't really matter. Like you don't give a shit if someone went, I don't know what college anybody that I've like that I've done comedy with it's irrelevant. And I'm sure many of them went to very impressive schools and many of people dropped out, you know, in high school. And so I think like mingling just with like different ages of people. And like, I think the comedian lifestyle also, because maybe people that are the same age as me, that are not comedians, like are now like, I want to get married. I want to get a house and put down a mortgage. And I don't want to go out because I'm saving money for this. And like, and when you're doing like, when you're a comic or a musician or like, you're just living a more, sorry, fun life. And so you're actually like out and want to do things that are fun and that's right. where younger people tend to be because people like yeah. to actually have fun yeah, yeah absolutely you know that just made me think it's like so i commute by bike now and yeah. like I, I i i i got a bike and i've invested you know relatively mm-hmm. i to my meager income yeah. a lot into the bike by putting a bunch of stuff into it yeah and i find that i can't stop talking about it to people i love it Thank you. I think it's <laughs> so cool. It is cool. It's very cool. It has a lantern on it now. It's really cool. Yeah. And like, <laughs> the thing is, if I feel like if someone has a mortgage, it's a, a, a more like a worse version of that. That yeah. they couldn't stop talking about their mortgage. Yes. And it just becomes so boring. And like, even my friends, it's really sad. Like they get houses and then they're talk. All they want to talk about is like, oh, we put up new siding on our garage. And I'm like, I don't care. And I don't have a garage and I probably never will. Yeah. So that's not relevant to me. <laughs> and there are, I mean, other comedians who are like married joke about this, how they're like obsessed with Zillow the way that like younger people are obsessed with porn. Right. Yeah, they're I, like, did you see a Zillow today that like a four bedroom for yeah. that price? I'm like, like I don't I, care. I've never, I don't go on Zillow. I've <laughs> never, I, don't, I went on it like five years ago. Mm-hmm. I can't buy a house. I walked by a house in my neighborhood. I was like, how much do you think that house is? Like, it's like crumbling down like little lot. You know, it's at least a million dollars. I'm like, okay, I have $800. Can I right. buy this house? No. So I don't care. Right. It, it, rather than actually seeing the price, it's like, oh, I just can't afford any of this. Right. So yeah. I don't care. I don't need to see like what the, yeah, what the market looks like. Right. But it, yeah, it just becomes so boring and like, that's fine. And then you can, and then that's what happens is then you hang out with other boring people who are doing the same boring shit as you. Like when people decide to have kids, then they're like, well, we don't have a babysitter. We need to hang out with, you know, like we need to hang out with other people who have kids and are okay with that. And then they become boring and then they don't understand jokes. And then they wait for like SNL to make a joke about a meme from four years ago. Right. Or they wait for comedy dynamics to give someone who is a mom influencer on Instagram and a comedian (laughs) their own special. And they're like a reformed atheist turned Catholic. 
who has six kids. Wait, I'm sorry. I don't know why I have heard that term before. I've definitely read it, but for some reason, you just saying a mom influencer was really triggering to me. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like that's so dark. It's yeah. actually really scary. Like that is one thing about TikTok that's really upsetting to me is like anytime I see like these families on TikTok and they've got like the little kid doing kind of like a a sassy little dance and it's like the whole family's doing it. And I'm like, ew, you're actually really exploiting your children. It's really gross. Like right. you're not just sharing this with your family group chats. You know how many perverts are in the world and you're like, I'm just, uh, and you're like putting your, you're making your four-year-old like, mm -hmm. I can't. Yeah. It's a worse version of like, have you heard about um, when America's Honey Funniest Home Videos was at its peak, mm. there were families that would try to like stage accidents to get on tv right well like that did you see um Moses's? like the storm yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and he was talking about that and that i mean that was so dark and like you see his sweet little face what is he like four or three like little baby face and he's like i don't know why but i know my mom's upset like it's <laughs> so scary it's like toddlers and tiara dance moms like so yeah, there's so mom, momfluencer, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really dark. That's really dark energy to me. <laughs> oh my God. I want to see I'm on I'm gonna look up a documentary after this about that topic. Yeah. Jen Fulweiler, go watch it on YouTube, her special. And she mentions how she used to be an atheist and does not explain why. Stop it. And she wrote a whole op-ed that does explain, and then it's just like you just gave up when it became too hard. Right. Oh, yeah. so she used to be and then had all the kids and was like, oh, I want to. She she, she fell way. in love with somebody who was Catholic. Oh. Ooh. And then like she got turned to the dark side. That's a whole that's a whole other rabbit hole. Yeah. And then they have like six identical kids and then they're like weirdly narcissistically obsessed with their children because they're like, they've got daddy's big blue eyes and I want to go to all those people like do you want to have kids? Did you want to become a mom because you actually wanted to become a mom? Or did you want to fulfill some weird, like you want them to look like a little you? Because if you wouldn't be okay with having a kid that is not genetically identical to you, you shouldn't have kids. That's my soapbox. Thank you. Have a good night. Yeah. You know, to that point, and then we'll go on to news. Comedy. Uh, <laughs> as someone who's an international adoptee, mm -hmm. I, I, there are times when I'm watching solo shows about mm. women doing IVF. Yeah. That I'm just like, yeah, I don't feel sorry. For you. Yeah. Yeah. We're because like, there are plenty of other children who are already in the world who like, yeah. if and you're they're really like, we spent that. so much money and I'm yeah. like, yeah, you could have spent less. Right. And like, I, yeah. Well, also there's that, that side of it too. I mean, like hearing usually like straight people talking about that as well. And it's like, oh, well, that's what queer people have to do if they want to have a baby period. Like yeah. if a gay man, they have to get a surrogate or adopt or do I, you know, and like all these different things. So it's like considered a tragedy, but then like, if you're queer and trying to start a family, it's like probably going to be illegal soon. I don't know. I haven't checked the laws recently. Oh, it's just going to go state by state. And then Airbnb is going to be bolstered in their business Stop because it. they'll have like packages of like, you want an abortion weekend getaway? How dare you? <laughs> what you, what you watch? I hate this. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next.
I'm I'm running. Skip, skip. What do you think this is? Like Tinder? You can swipe me away. No, it's like the beginning of a Netflix, you know, when they do. Oh, right, right. Recap. Nope. (laughs) Skip. (laughs) Well, on that note, how about some comedy news, Kara? Okay, cool. As things legitimately reopen, you might want to, I don't know, go out. And if you go out, you might want to feel and look your best. And, you know, by proxy, take your health into your own hands. And that's why you might want to look into Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health and their life for good. They use a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on the Noom platform to help millions of folks meet their personal health goals. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique. Uh, Lord knows that not everyone can do two or three workouts a day. And what works for you isn't, you know, necessarily what's going to work for, you know, anybody else. And that's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible, focuses on your progress and not trying to be perfect, uh, allowing you to work towards goals at pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finished the program. More than 60% of users that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So, start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. Again, that's noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe. That's spelled B-L-E-A-V. First on the docket, we're going to jump around here. Um, yeah, the, these items of news, I think I'll mention them together. But uh, Sirius XM uh, buys up uh, the entire podcast arm of Team Coco. That's all the podcast by uh, Conan O'Brien and company. Um, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend will be uh, available everywhere on every podcast platform, but everything else will it seemingly be made for Sirius XM and Sirius XM listeners. Uh, and similarly, uh, Mark Marin strikes a three-year deal with podcast uh, network ACAST uh, for WTF. Um, and... Do you think this is good or bad for the world of podcasting that there are these like multi-year, I'm assuming multi-million dollar deals? Like these huge conglomerates, like media conglomerates. I mean, it's just like everything is being combined. It just seems like it would be even harder to like break in. Like there's just more, Mm -hmm. like there's fewer gatekeepers, right? Like there's just like fewer people with more power. But I don't totally know what the implications of that would be for like the average Mm -hmm. person versus like these guys getting these huge, they're fine. They don't fucking care. Whoever's going to put it up. Oh, you want to give me 3 million. Okay. You want to get, okay. Like, right. The, the, what my concern is, is like, you know, the pot, I feel like the barrier of entry of starting a podcast is still very low, Mm -hmm. but like, 
the I feel like the opportunity to grow a fan base is much harder now because like A-listers are like entering yes. the field. We're like yeah. Dax Shepard. Right. Like, he has that uh, armchair history podcast. Mm-hmm. And he just interviews people and it, it's not like reinventing the wheel or anything. I mean, he doesn't mm-hmm. even talk about true crime, which is like another route you could take. Right. And like off of his name and like, you know, mm-hmm. it being like, I guess, interesting to enough people, like it's one of the most popular podcasts. Yeah. Versus if you, if he wasn't a name and it was the same podcast, it wouldn't be anywhere. No one would listen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think like in any, with podcasting or any other medium, I would ask myself, like, are there more interesting people that maybe have a more interesting story to tell that maybe we could like allocate some of the resources to them because like the money that they are paying for Dax Shepard's podcast, you could make you know, 20 people's lives change. Right. You could do your queer true crime podcast. Right. You know what you want to do. (laughs) That's right. My conspiracy theory about famous conservative women who I theorize are actually lesbian serial killers. (laughs) Oh, what, like uh, Margaret Thatcher or something? I don't know. No, like act just like, and just try to like construct weird. I mean, I don't even know, but yeah, I, I think like, I mean, it's all about money and capitalism and advertising, right? So Mm -hmm. any of these places that are like, yes, we are really here to try to like broaden the horizons and diversify the voices and like tell interesting stories. Like I don't believe most of those places and people. Yeah. Um, What what would, what, what is your benchmark for them to actually put their money where their mouth is? I mean, that. I think it probably varies. I think though, like who's actually on the team, like just who's on the masthead. If you click on it, like who are, who's actually working for you, who are actually the writers, who are the producers, like who are the journalists that you're hiring to do this research? Are you paying your interns? Are you paying all these people? Like, I think that is like the first thing that I would look at. Yeah. What about you? I mean, I, well, you know, uh, I would have to look at their programming lineup mm-hmm. and then, I mean, that's the hard thing to parse out is the sort of like actual inner workings of, you know, okay, this person has the show about X, Y, Z topic. Mm-hmm. How much agency do they have? Like, mm-hmm. have, I mean, I don't think there's any like tangible mm-hmm. way to like reliably measure that over like a mm-hmm. whole, like industry but like how much agency do they have in terms of what they're talking about how Mm. they can talk about it that's a good point yeah yeah you know how how much are sponsors figuring into this too because like as as much as i love my favorite murder they do have sponsored episodes that will where the like it'll be a and e paying them and they'll visit that case which is cool but also like okay so that's informed by that show more than like wanted to cover necessarily right yeah yeah, and there's, I mean, there's already so many podcasts where I just skip the first 20 minutes because oh, it's yeah? all just ads and like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's always interesting where people skip. I, I mean, I keep the intros very short. I don't think I have any ads at top. All the ads are in the middle. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what you should do. But a lot of like some of them, it's like the first five minutes, they're just reading off like a whole <laughs> list, which seems, which seems like yeah not that smart because then i, I wonder did do you like it when the hosts put their own spit on the ad, spin on the ad read or do you feel deceived 
No, I like I like when they do it. I mean, not in like a super fake way where they're like, oh, I forgot to mention, you know, I have this new case for my banana and it's really great. Like, I don't like when they do that. If they want to say it's an ad and they have something genuine to say about it. Right. But I don't like I also don't like when people are fake and they try to act like so annoyed that, that, you know, that they have to do it. And it's like, then don't take the money. Then don't like. You can't have it both ways. Like, oh, sorry, guys. I have to. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> have you bought a mattress from a podcast? No, I haven't. Um, but I did buy a mattress in a box. Yeah. Um, but I was stupidly didn't get the discount code because I always fast forward the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's on you, Kara. So I pay full price. Yeah. <laughs> I want to support small businesses like Amazon.com. <laughs> I want them to get every single cent. You know, the sad thing is, they used to be a small business. Uh, I know there. Okay. There was a commercial re- like recently, maybe in the last six months where Walmart made this commercial. It was so crazy. And clear they were trying to spin themselves as like, we're like in America's heartland and we're just a family business. Uh-huh. We're being wiped out by these online. It's like, you have not paid one of your workers a living wage and you won't like have them work more than 20 hours. You don't have to pay health insurance. I'm like, are you actually trying to get sympathy? Walmart, Walmart, (laughs) Walmart Walmart wants our sympathy. Like Uh I can't, Uh it's all terrible. Yeah. Farm. That's the solution. I don't know anything about farms. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this sounds like the start of an indie rom-com, Kara. Uh-oh. Hey, well, if Billy Eichner can do it, so can I. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, actually, most people can scream trivia at other people on the street. That is the thing that is very easy to do. So funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just so funny, though. Just right. waving dollar bills in people's faces. And I think it'd be interesting to have like a neurologist study that. And I think there's a like, <laughs> obviously, you know, five famous Hispanic people, but when right. somebody's screaming at you, like your brain locks up. Right. And you're like, uh, uh, uh. But that's why relaxed, it's genius. Yeah. yeah right. But that's why, I mean, that's, that's like such a big part of like Z Way and like her show. It's like everybody that comes on. Even people who like our allies are so nervous, so nervous because they know. Yeah. You know, she's going to get them. She has yeah. a team of writers that researched all this stuff and like, and she's so intelligent. And you that's see, why people like watching it because they know everyone's going to fuck up. You, did you see the one person she couldn't bait? It was back no. in the YouTube, YouTube days. Oh, what, it what's a- it called? Uh, no, it was like, it was before it was called Beta with Z-Way. No, I think it was actually called Beta with Z-Way. And then she made that into her IG live show. Right. But it was like a YouTube web series. Mm-hmm. And she tried to bait Aparna and Cherla. Oh. And Aparna gave all the correct answers. And oh. so they, she had to like edit and alter all of Aparna's <laughs> interview funny. to make her sound like anti- So she like dubbed over it to make yeah, her yeah, sound yeah, yeah, yeah. A very clearly doctored. <laughs> Oh my God. But that show is so fascinating. Like the people that go on it, like, especially like during quarantine. And it's like, I love the idea of someone doing absolutely no research and showing up and just being totally just decimated. It's yeah. like really it's shocking. crazy. So yeah, Chet Hanks, that's a, an iconic episode, if you will. <laughs> Cause that guy, 
it's like, is nature even a thing? Because that guy could not be related to Tom Hanks. How? How? Because it's like people want to rebel, or you know, or like they figure, I don't know. It's, it's so funny. It's so wild. But then Alana Glazer went on, which I'm sure you saw. Mm-hmm. And they, they they had a tally for how many white lady size she had. <laughs> I I think, yeah, I think she's a genius. I will, I, I feel like I saw, I think Jared Goldstein went on sometime during the pandemic and yeah. he did really well. Like he yeah. actually was pretty on it, but he, it, he was on it. Yeah. You yeah, know, Sir Lester went on and totally trolled Z-Way. And that was one of the funniest episodes. That's funny. Yeah. I know. It's like take an interesting approach to it. Like, cause yeah, they're yeah. all so scared. So choosing yeah. something like that is really funny. Yeah. He put like a dumbass sign behind him that said Tori Lannis is in- innocent. <laughs> and she's like, wait, is that a sign that says Tori Lannis is innocent? He's like, oh, that's just like my art. I just have like art. I'm a big supporter of art. He's such a troll. He's literally a troll. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. But she's obviously thought of like every single situation. You're not going to win. So that's why it's like, yeah, choose right. a character or like lean into something. Maybe that's why Chad Inks, it's like it was successful. because It's just like he's not going to try to like outsmart Z-Way. He can't. No, he can't outsmart almost anybody. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to start a podcast called Chet Hanks outsmarting me and then every episode's just me interviewing him about a subject that he's a self-proclaimed expert on right and then let him outsmart me on it cuz I want him to build up his self-esteem. Yeah, that is the 2022 version of are you smarter than a fifth grader? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god. Oh goodness. All right, next news story. I think I'll mention these both together because I feel like mm. they kind of coincide. So um, Dave Chappelle's attacker, mm-hmm. uh, the person who tackled him after his uh, record-setting Hollow Bull performance during Netflix is a joke fest, uh, has since been interviewed by uh, the New York Post uh, amongst uh, other uh, publications. Uh, the guy's name is Isaiah Lee, uh, who identifies as a bisexual, and he claimed that he was triggered by Dave's jokes, uh, I guess regarding trans people. Mm-hmm. And um, he also, and that was sort of the thing that set him off, that tackled him, uh, that made him tackle Dave as Dave mm-hmm. was coming off stage. And then he also commented that he thought Chris Rock was not in the right for making fun of Jada Pickett Smith and her alopecia, which, you know, I, I don't want this to be like erasure or anything, but I feel like, well, now we, no one's siding with you. If you say that Chris Rock was wrong. I don't know. I'm sorry, but who are the journalists that are like, hello, I'd like your hot take on this. Why are they asking this person's opinion on headlines? Like when they, or the person who just assaulted someone. Like, I'm I'm not really interested. Yeah. I think like no one, there's never like a reason or excuse that someone should assault another person. No. Whether you're, so that right. like for me is so clear. And it's like, why right. are you asking this guy Buzzfeed headline questions? Like, I don't understand. Absolutely. And he went further on to say that Dave should have perform, like um, performed his material for people that it would like, potentially offend ahead of time before he went like on a nationwide tour 
which I think is like an unreasonable ask. Yeah. Uh, and then somewhat tangentially connected to that, Ricky, Ricky Gervais's latest hour special came out today, uh, mm-hmm. Supernature on Netflix. Um, and he's already gotten in some hot water for saying that he's in support of trans rights and trans people, but joking, just joking about, um, you know, trans women uh, having to cut off their dicks. I, I mean, I just feel like, why is anyone making these disgusting transphobic jokes at all? Like, why are you, as some of the most famous comedians in the world, not aware of or choosing to ignore the basic principle of not punching down? Like, why are you choosing to attack a group right. of people that is already being targeted by, like, how many statistics do you need to know? Like, the suicide rate of transgender folks, like, mm-hmm. the rate in which they're being attacked constantly, physically attacked, physically in danger, being set, you know, killed in some countries, like, and in our country. But it's like, why do you think that, why is that what you want to add to the world? Like, why do you want to add something hateful? I think there's this misguided mission of comics of, I mean, I'm going to, I was going to say that age, but of that ilk, because there are younger comics that are also on Mm. that sort of mission too of like, there should be no sacred cows in comedy. And like on a objective level, I agree, but like, Mm -hmm. why do you have to go about it in a way where it's like, you know, I wanna say the the darkest things possible because that's like a thing that I can do. Yeah, is that what it is? Like, isn't your, you're supposed to be making people laugh. You're not supposed to be attack like I said like attacking one of the most vulnerable groups of people vulnerable because of stuff like you so you're just feeding this narrative so you're not clever it is hack talk about something else and yeah of course I do also believe you should be able to talk about or joke about any subject you want but people are allowed to have feelings and reactions to it and nobody has done a joke that's from a clever angle that, and the only person I think who could do that would be a trans comedian and making a joke about the systems of oppression, not about attacking the trans people. But what about also, did you see like that John Mulaney had Dave Chappelle come out at like his show as an opener, right? Uh huh. And like, didn't tell anyone there was, I was seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter about that. Right. Versus like to your point. So Robin Tran, Hilarious, hilarious trans Mm -hmm. comedian often says during her sets that uh, she transitioned to a woman six years ago and, uh, you know, being a woman sucks and I should have never done it. Like that is, and it it hits so hard every time. It's so funny. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like that is the angle. Like, so it's not that you can't make jokes about the topic, but I would say not attacking that group of people. That's like, should people be allowed to make rape jokes? Yes. Is it funny to say, oh, women should be raped or men should be raped in print? No, that's not funny. Yeah. Like that's not the angle that's funny about it. Right. So and what I, are you actually contributing? Right. And I, I think there's just this obsession with people that are like free speech warriors. Mm-hmm. Like, let me, I, I want, I want to like te- test the like boundaries of free speech by being just so fucked up, which Mm -hmm. I feel like is not the way to test free speech. No, no. And also like, it does to me feel like just people wanting 
attention. So it's like, can you not actually write a joke that's funny about something else? I think they've proven they both are capable of doing that and writing funny material that's not transphobic. So why don't you just do that? Especially like they're not even claiming like, oh, I didn't even know that that was it's like they're doing it intentionally at this point, like for attention, for ratings. And like it's kind of I mean, not to go there, but we may as well. But it's kind of like, who do you want your fans to be like? Who do you want your audience to be? It's kind of like Louis C.K. after he kind of got canceled and I'll use quotes because he's just back and performing and doing whatever the fuck he wants. But it's like his audience, I think, used to be very different. And now he's like leaned into it and his fans are people that are like, yeah, me too is bullshit. I can't even talk to women at the office anymore. I have to have someone come on a date with me. So nobody accuses me of rape. And they're like, yeah, okay, I guess that's my audience now. Like that. So like, who do you want your audience to be? Right. It's like, you're going to lose all the people that are smart and not hateful. Right. Absolutely. But I don't know. It just makes me sick. And it's just like, I, don't, I just don't understand. Of course, it's possible to write a funny joke about any topic, but I haven't heard any funny. I've just heard a shitload of transphobic jokes that aren't. Right. Even- because it, it, it's oddly like putting trans identity on this like weird pedestal rather than like humanizing it at all yeah. of like, oh, yeah, l- l- you know, it, it was in a, in a way kind of like 9-11. Ooh, you're not supposed to you're not supposed to right. joke about that. Right. But let, let's let's joke about it. Yeah. Yeah. When, I don't know. Why don't you look at the human element of it and how terrible it was from so many different angles? And right, yeah. right. Say something. Yeah, say something interesting about it. Or like, I've heard a lot of funny abortion jokes. I don't think abortion is like a very funny topic. It's obviously very like heated and political and like, right, but right. people do it. But yeah, it's again, I just think like the punching down. I don't understand that. Like you're a rich, established person with a huge following. You have all the potential in the world to even do, you could even affect positive change if you wanted to, or if you are so hate filled, how about just shut the fuck up about that topic and don't add fuel to the fire. Right. So So that's how I feel about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing Kara. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say I sat and watched Supernature today. Mm -hmm. And like, even beyond the sort of controversial parts, I mean, there, there's, there's such a like tired sort of like, oh, I, I want to be so edgy or whatever. Right. And there's, um, I feel like Ricky has been rich for so long that mm-hmm. he had, without even knowing it, he assumes that he's talking for humanity. <laughs> Like there's this air that like, and I don't think it's even arrogance that he's like, like, like intentionally, like that's just where he's been for so long. That's how out of touch he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's, I mean, who the, who the fuck is like coming at him anymore for like believing in God or like not believing in God. That's no so one. weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, don't, uh, I don't understand. Yeah. I think it is just like, this yearning to try to like stay or feel relevant or try Mm -hmm. to like incite something, but it's like, you're, you're doing it the wrong way. Like you're not actually being vulnerable. You're not talking about yourself. That's not your experience. Like, yeah, I've said this on the pod before, but I feel like Maria Bamford is edgy. And I know that word isn't just used to describe her very often, but like Mm -hmm. talking genuinely about having like bipolar two. Yeah. Is like uncomfortable. Right. 
Right. Yeah. But that's she makes it funny and is mm-hmm. life affirming and like, mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. that to me is what is edgy. Yeah. And like actually interesting and vulnerable and like doing something that a lot of people are too scared to do. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you do an hour special talking about why you're so transphobic? Like, why don't you actually unpack that and go to therapy and use all of your money to figure out what inside of you is so scared of this group of people that you are like, I'm going to make fun of them. Right. That would be interesting to me. Like yeah. actually unpack that or something. Right. They're not going to Let's point it a little bit back on you. What is the scariest bit that you do currently? When I talk about my dad being a police officer. There you go. Absolutely. I even am scared. Like there's, I have not spoken to my dad in 10 years and he's a retired police officer. And I am terrified when I go on stage and I talk about like Mm. jokes about that. And then I say like, my dad's a police officer. I'm so scared to say that. What, what, what informs that fear? Is it fear of the audience? Is it fear of your dad seeing it? Is it all of Mm. it? I think it's fear of it's fear of like my audience, like looking at me in like a bad way, like, ooh, like your dad's a cop, like what the fuck? So like that means that you grew up with A, B and C um, fear that my dad would hear it uh, is like mixed in there and just like years of just being fearful of like that topic. But that feels vulnerable to me to even right. like share that fact. Right. And so, but that makes me curious and I'm like, Hmm, like, yeah, why am I so scared of that? And like, but whenever I share something personal, like that makes people like, listen and pay attention. So that's the potential that you have. Absolutely. And actually it was interesting in that George Carlin doc, George Hmm. just came out, George Carlin's American dream. Seinfeld at one point, he's like interviewed throughout and Hmm. he mentions how like, this isn't quite a verbatim, but he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can, if you want to use your comedy to like have a political lens and what, you know, that's fine. But I honestly, I've never heard a joke that has ever changed my mind, mm. which sounds like the most one percenter bullshit I've ever I, heard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what that's one of the great things. I feel like a lot of people's minds have been changed, not necessarily in like, like a direct, like, oh, let's go call our senators way. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, seeing like, uh, like Nanette Mm -hmm. or even seeing like, you know, when Margaret, Margaret Cho had her own sitcom Mm -hmm. and seeing what that perspective was like, even though Mm -hmm. it was like, there's, I mean, very clearly she's a a, a American girl and, you know, this is like a family, but it's like from her perspective that just that like a few degrees of shifting perspective is like, oh, okay. I guess I never looked at it like that. And that in of itself, I think is actionable change. I think so. I mean, I think that people probably all the time are swayed by things. Yeah. Like you said, maybe it's not a direct, like they see a joke and they're like, shit, I really do. Yeah. I need to call my center about that. But when you see a person on stage, and they are talking about something and they're being vulnerable, it humanizes them. And then you're like, wait, I like this person, but they are from this group that I thought that I hated. 
that doesn't like why and making them reconcile that that's like people that are you know i've met people that are homophobic or like oh this family member's homophobic or you're going to be at this wedding and there's going to be this homophobic person there whatever but you know it's easy on paper or like in your little community where everyone is like a little echo chamber and you all hate gay people but then you actually meet me and i'm sitting next to you and i'm eating dinner next to you and i'm a perfectly nice person and i'm talking to your granddaughter and like all this stuff and then it's like it's hard then to hate someone to their face like that. I mean, people yeah. still do it, but yeah. yeah, you know, so I think, yeah, the humanizing factor is, is huge. That is what changes people's perspective. Right. And uh, that is where, I mean, I feel like comedy and that's another thing that doc points out is it can be all the things people will endlessly debate about its role, what comedians are, are they like clowns? Are they philosopher mm-hmm. Kings? Are they somewhere mm-hmm. in between truth tellers? It's like, it's really up to the comedian themselves. And right. George, George Carlin showed that you can be all of them. Yeah. If you yeah. wanted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to actually challenge yourself and like evolve and mm-hmm. do all of the, yeah. But like, why did you get in it? I, I do think like real comedians, like true comedians and like their heart beats for it. I think mm-hmm. like they are always like trying hopefully to evolve and change and like, look at those sides of things. Right. How would you describe your evolution in comedy for, wait, how long have you been doing it? It'll be seven years. Cool. Lucky seven. Mm-hmm. How, uh, how would you describe your evolution in comedy over seven years? I definitely, I, I mean, I remember reading like sometimes, you know, certain things you read, like stick in your head. I, on a, I hate to say it, but I think it was Jerry Seinfeld. If I remember correctly. I mean, he has good points. Of course he does. He has a, he has a ton of great points, but he also has a ton of like, hacky outdated shit that he says and you're like what are you doing but I think I read early early on that it takes like seven years to find your voice and like the first seven years it's like you know it's like kind of the first couple miles of the marathon you're just fighting through all the dentists and all the people who like signed up for it because it's their 40th birthday and like you know they don't know what the hell they're doing and that feels true like I I don't feel like or I, I feel like I have found my voice or started finding like a clear voice in the last year or two the most clearly. Right. Um, so I think like when I was starting out, like I was kind of fighting against my natural urges. Like I would watch comedians that I liked and it's like, oh, I need to be more monotone. I love this comedian who's like very monotone and just stands very still. And so like, I would try to emulate that and then it never felt right. And so I think I like, tried a lot of different styles of like people that I admired and it just Mm -hmm. never kind of felt good and then now I like try to lean into like the part you know instead of like shying away like even yeah the question about like oh what joke is the most so like what do I feel the most uncomfortable with like okay then why am I doing that or like if it's Mm -hmm. material why does that make me maybe I should talk about it. it probably makes other people uncomfortable so I think I'm I'm just starting to kind of figure out my voice but I think like the first few it was just kind of like a mishmash and like and I still feel like that sometimes but yeah trying to figure out like is this a video is this a stand-up joke like should I save this for a character or you know it's interesting you say that because I feel like the last last year I'd say when I've seen you like I feel like you're unmistakably you Mm mm-hmm it's like, you know, I, I feel like it's very natural in your sort of progression as a comedian to do impressions of what you think is funny. Yeah. But like, I mean, yeah, you have your influences 
that's clear. I think every artist does, and any mm. artist that shies away from like engaging with other art because they're yeah. being fearful. Oh, I'll be influenced. I'll be derivative. Get right. the fuck over yourself, man. That's what literally everything is. Then nothing. Well, also <laughs> then like you know, sit, sit with the truth that nothing is completely original. That's well. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like every single thing is inspired by every. You're not the first. You know. Yeah. But yeah. But I mean, yeah, like there's, I think it's gotten to the point now where like if I wrote out my set and like had a friend do it, like it would not, it would not sound like at all the same way that I would do and vice versa. And so like, that's a good sign. Like nobody else could pick it up and read it and do it the exact same way. I think somebody trying to do your set Actually, a friend of yours trying to do your set. And I'm specifically thinking of your friend who like works for Kim Kardashian's like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Skims. Not a famously not a comedian. Yeah, she's like the head designer of Skims. Yeah, <laughs> she could not get through two seconds of your act without busting up laughing. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I would love to see Keenan do stand up. <laughs> She's very funny, but yeah. yeah, like a very, cause it's just like anything that she says is like, so you wouldn't expect that the head designer of Skims would have some of the takes that she has, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hey, there are people too, you know? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, congrats to Courtney and Travis. That was a really beautiful wedding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't you just love the nonstop PDA? Oh my God. It's really beautiful. Really beautiful. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but yeah, I wonder, I'm going to think about that. Who would I want to do? Cause sometimes like there's certain friends, like, especially when I was starting out in Toronto, like, you know, you just go to the mics with people over and over. You've seen their sets so many times. And like, I have friends that like, I, you know, could definitely do their whole 10 minutes, right. Like memorize, but it would just never. Right. Yeah. Be right. the same. Um, at this point in time, I mean, like, you're a queer person doing comedy, but would, do you think of your comedy as like queer comedy anymore? Or is that starting to, are the lines starting to blur? I think the lines are pretty blurred. I mean, I think that it's, it would be hard to separate out the fact that I am definitely like a comedian who is queer and my material like definitely has a lot of queer themes to it. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think that that is like, the only part of it. It's an inextricable part of my identity and I'm not hiding it. And I am examining it in part, in large part, because it was so repressed and it was so um, like, I'm not over it. You know what I mean? Because it, it was so long for me to even yeah. figure it out. And I know that that's the case with so many people. And I don't think it would have been that way if I lived in this like flowery place where everyone was so accepting. Right. Also, if you haven't seen Kara's Hour, go see it because she has a slideshow at the end that shows her former life. Okay, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, how dare you? <laughs> I probably have some save the dates and I'm going to try to find one and mail it to you in old. <laughs> that, would be dark. that would be as dark as you saying mom influencer. <laughs> so so oh, scary. you know that was totally drawn from my subconscious off of like i read deadline like all the trades mm -hmm. obsessively mm -hmm. and like there is a show being developed that ha is like a mom influencer like taking in like somebody under her wing oh my god 
So like a less like a teen, known mom influencer under her wing? Like way? a mom who has no like engagement with that world and then is swept into the world of mom influencers. I really, <laughs> I really am scared. I'm really scared. That's what <laughs> I am. Talk really about scared. it, Kara. Go talk about mom, your fear <laughs> yeah. of mom influencers on stage. I need to. Obviously, like some mommy issues are coming up for me and I need to address them. And thank you. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that to the front of my uh, consciousness, because that's something. Like, You're welcome. Oh my god! You credit me on stage. What the fuck? <laughs> I'll credit you when I'm in EMDR because I have to <laughs> wipe it from my brain. <laughs> okay. Oh, you do EMDR? I have. I've done a couple. I've couple done. I've done like four or five, and I feel like I was like we. My therapist kept saying I was in the middle of it. Like we kept mm-hmm. having to come back. But I will say we did like a like a like a this warm up for EMDR yeah. where I basically like I I think of it as I reprogram my brain to like every time I say the word breeze in my head I like relax. Whoa, that's nice. Yeah. I mean, I'll take it. That would be a nice perk. Yeah. I mean, I had to go through like an hour session of like yeah. going through a bunch of memories and stuff, but yeah. Uh-huh to try and was is breeze because that was like the space that you were supposed to kind of go to I like like, developing like a happy kind of place or I thought of like a memory that I treasured that like always makes me happy and then then we were like I was describing every detail that I possibly could Uh and in the middle of being immersed in that memory very visually sensory wise I she was like think of a word that encapsulate this moment oh and that's then, really cool and that got like assigned and we like did yeah. that over and over and over for an hour right and you and see now, you made a little groove in your brain for it yeah oh yeah oh that's cool I haven't that's had that experience yet I just get very tie tie <laughs> <laughs> well because you, you're probably exploring trauma yeah yeah just really tired after <laughs> <laughs> that has been the only thing that's happened so far but yeah uh, so we, we found that, uh, Kara's going to start a queer true crime podcast Yes. and, uh, mom fluencers need to be taken down. Thank you. And, uh, you know what old folks use Google and get with it. God damn it. Come on, let's fucking go. <laughs> let's just get it together god damn you made it this far in life and you you're like i can't do anymore i'm done now i know yeah it really pisses me off yeah in the george carlin doc when they're just like showing all the vietnam footage and like all it's like where are those guys now yeah like, where what are you up to do you are you that disconnected they got disillusioned which is always i mean i feel like that's where a lot of millennials who are their late thirties and forties are like, mm-hmm. ah, it feels like everything we did was for not. Right. Where they, they're like, all right, well, I guess I'll just fuck off then. Yeah. They're like, well, I have my house, so I'm just going to stay inside and talk about my mortgage with my other friends who are completely out of touch. <sighs> I, as scary as it might be, always try to connect with people. Yeah. It's always for the best. Yes, please, yeah. God. Yeah. It's been so great having you on, Kara. Truly, Thank I you. hope this was a nice little break from your Twitter sabbatical. <laughs> yes, I feel very relaxed. <laughs> great, great, great. great. <laughs>
Um, uh, and I didn't even have to do EMDR with you. That's right. Yeah. Uh, where is there anything else you would like to promote? Where can people find you online? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm on Instagram at Caracons Comedy, and yeah. uh, that is the main that's the main place for me. And I'm going to be on tour this whole summer all over the all over the U.S. And then I'm doing a bunch of dates in Europe. So, and where can people find those dates? That's all. Yeah, that's all on my Instagram or caraconners.com. There you go. Uh, I'm Jay Kruger. Uh, I created the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at the Comedy Bureau com at the comedy bureau across socials so many great causes to support at this time you know any uh, gun control thing mm-hmm. for no particular reason at all or supporting families of uh, victims of uh, mass shootings that would also be great uh but if you have money and generosity left over after that uh, please support the comedy bureau because i would love to keep it going for 11 years or more or longer than that. Uh, And I've been running it pretty much all on my own. So thank you for everyone who supported uh, a shout out to Aviva Siegel, who's a great comedian who pledged $5 on Patreon today. Um, (laughs) Do you have anything to say as we sign off? Yeah, I I liked what you said, you know, try to connect with people and be kind and please stop shooting people please yep. stop the gun violence i would uh i would just shadow that yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah if this was jesus amaro that would be your rainbow mm-hmm. or neon <laughs> sign i forget which one they do <laughs> uh comedy is happening go out and support it and as the great brody stevens would say enjoy it Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Grineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.